Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscripts, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute. And we talk about all kinds of subject matter. We talk about missions and theology and the testimony of ministry and the lives of leaders. And uh, this week, I have the privilege of interviewing my pastor, Sam Miles, of Midtown Baptist Temple. And we're going to be having a conversation about how to, how to establish a healthy ministry model. And uh, while that might seem vague, and 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 it maybe you are you're listening, you're like, oh well, I already have I already have a ministry model. Well, hang with us for a minute, and listen to us as we talk about having a biblical philosophy, a biblical approach to ministry that first and foremost begin, begins with a dependence on God in prayer. Thank you, Sam, for being here with me. Thanks for letting me be with you, man. Yeah, this will be this will be a good yeah. time. Now, this is a conversation that we have constantly. I mean, this is yeah, yeah. We'll be just having this conversation again tomorrow morning in a meeting or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so yeah. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to discussing this. Uh, this is a topic that you talked about a little bit at the discipleship co- uh, conference, as well as at Mission Focus. Yeah. Uh, we took some time in the morning sessions at Mission Focus just to carve out. What does it look like uh, to have a, a philosophy of worship, a philosophy mm-hmm. of missions, and a, and a philosophy of discipleship? But we're going to be talking specifically about, um, you know, what is what is it that's necessary? Now, this is going to—I think for a lot of people, this is going to seem like a conversation. Most pastors are going to be listening to this and thinking, well, I mean, I already know what it takes to have a successful church. There's a lot of mm-hmm. presumption about what what's required to have a church that's successful, um, but that's not always— biblical or a, or a biblical recipe and so we're going to be talking about more about the biblical recipe of how to have a healthy church yeah and so here's my first question for you okay um in america okay mm-hmm. it's it's common for churches to gain and uh, growth gain individuals grow mm-hmm. uh, numbers by a- appropriating people from other churches like this has kind of been become a, a part of the culture is that when we're talking about church growth, we're talking about numbers of individuals, pe- people in pews. Yeah. And the primary way of doing that, uh, maybe without admission, pastors probably wouldn't admit this, mm-hmm. would be to um, gain people or contend for individuals that, that, are, that are someone else's fruit from another church. Uh, and for any yeah. number of reasons, um, they they land in your pew, or, or maybe you're you're working to gain them. What's the what's the matter? And and in their defense, it's not even like they're going after another church's membership. It's almost like the mindset is there's only so many Christians out there, and we need to get as many as many of them as we can mm-hmm. to come to our church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a a closed market share. There's only yeah. just so many. That, that, that are out there and we want to we want to make it so that Christians will love coming to our local church and, and you know and and hopefully Christians do love coming to our local churches but uh, what's better is if we're if we're winning our own people to Christ and I think one of the biggest problems is the the you know in terms of what will drive that is uh, a it, it may not even be verbalized, but the mindset typically will end up being, how do I get more people to attend? In other words, that mm-hmm. in and of itself becomes the goal. And if it, and if getting people to attend is the objective, well, then that's going to inform uh, 
policy decision making to have growth as a goal that okay yeah. that's fine yeah, there's nothing wrong with but that, if that's the goal if that's the objective mm-hmm. well then you're gonna lose your way you're gonna lose your sure. ministry direction you're gonna lose true north those that come those that attend how big can we build them up in their faith how mm-hmm. big can we build the person the word the mission of jesus christ into their heart and lives the people who are attending can we turn them into ministers can we turn them into people who know the word of God and this is something that God does through the local church ministry that somebody comes they start out as a visitor and then all of a sudden they get turned into a disciple making machine and mm-hmm. and uh, you know the Holy Spirit takes over and leads them and you know ministry and I, multiplies and I think so what you're talking about now is really what I was going to ask you about next because because what you're describing in terms of the contrast between maybe the two major uh, you know church or ministry philosophies would be one consolidate so that you can build a singular work with centralized resources yeah. so that you can... And those can be spectacular, by the way. They can be spectacular. Huge resources, and great fun for the... And these people can be well-intended. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Uh, they yeah. just have the wrong philosophy yeah. as it concerns yeah. the, what, what the Bible is asking of us. Yeah, the end game is how big, how awesome can we get versus how big, how awesome... Can the, the glory of the God be of in Jesus the nation? That's yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so then that that speaks to the other philosophy, mm-hmm. which is the one that we as a church, Midtown Baptist Temple, as well as the other churches in Living Faith Fellowship desire, mm-hmm. is to be a church that grows up leaders that can reproduce not just here in the city that we dwell in, but throughout the whole entire yeah. world yeah. Uh, so that we can have uh, a good judgment seat that we can, when we stand before Jesus Christ, we can stand yeah. approved in His sight. And so, so those two philosophy, but the, but the idea that we can actually get. So, say we have the ideal. We we know what we want to do. We know what kind of Christians we want to be. We know what kind of church we want to be. Mm-hmm. We can't do that on our own. And so, you mentioned a spirit filled ministry. What does it What does it take to have a spirit filled ministry? Because I think so many Baptist churches are maybe missing that component. They've got the right Bible and they've got the right hermeneutic. Um, what gets lost along the way? Why is it so difficult to have a spirit-filled ministry and, and what is required to have one? So why is it hard? Um, man, we're walking around in flesh. Yeah. And the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another. And there's a, so there's this battle, you know, Paul, could say it present tense, you know, oh wretched man that I am. And he gives the key, right, in chapter eight. But but so there's that battle. Uh, there's no condemnation when we walk in the spirit and we're not walking in the flesh. And yet, uh, outside of mortifying the old man, outside of making that daily decision to say, I am crucified with Christ, you know, it's just very easy for sincere believers to sincerely operate in the power of their flesh. One of the things that the enemy does, mm-hmm. and I think he does it very skillfully, is to try to get us convinced that we can tame our flesh, that we can use our flesh, that there's somehow there's this, this reproduction of the kingdom of God in the hearts of men can be done through the schemes, the means, the power, the use, the arm of the flesh. And, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and so... So what we end up doing, because we're doing good things, we know we're doing, in other words, we're not robbing, murdering, pillaging, you know, we're not yeah. rioting in the we streets. Might, we we're, might actually be feeding the poor and, we're, and striving sure, to administer. Serving and, in children's yeah, ministry, yeah. Uh, cleaning the church. You know, there, there can be a lot of really good right. activity, 
but and one of the ways that I'll liken it here at MBT is the Mary Martha uh, mm-hmm. paradigm. Sure. You know, so Martha is doing all good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's really somebody's. I mean, everybody wants to eat. Like, who doesn't yeah. want to eat? I mean, everybody wants to eat. So thank God for Martha. Yeah. But Martha's hacked off because Mary's not helping, and she's setting at the word of the Lord. She's mm-hmm. setting at His feet. And so I need you to compel her to join me in this necessary busy work. And, you know, the Lord straightened out the priorities right. uh, for us right there. And so what happens is, is I can, and this is something that I have, this is a constant battle for me. I'm the senior pastor at MBT. And there's so much Martha work that somebody's got to do it. It's got to get done. But if we don't take time to sit at Jesus's feet, if we yeah. don't take time to sit at the at the feet of the of the of, of, of the Word of God, uh, then what will happen is is we'll be going away that's right in our own eyes. It'll be a form of godliness, but but the power right will be missing. Mm-hmm. So it looks Christian, it smells Christian. We're acting very Christian, but we're just doing the right thing in the power of our flesh. Why do I say that? Uh, you you know as well as I do when you're just reading the Word of God or you're studying the Word of God and the Word of God is leaping off the page and it's blowing your mind and it's breaking your heart you can be devotionally spending time in the Word of God and you're weeping or mm-hmm. you're laughing or you're I mean it's just fellowship with yeah. the Lord mm-hmm. or you're preparing a message or or a study for something and and uh, you know God cleans your clock over something right it it changes who you are. Yeah. And the first thing that comes out of it is, oh, God, let that be reality in my life. God, I want that. I want to live that. In other words, the response to the word of God being revealed to the child of God is the child of God cries out for the reality of those promises over their life. And so prayer is everything. Yeah. A church that's busy with activity that's not coming out of answered prayer is a church that can be, again, easily led astray, uh, doing good things, doing the important necessary things. You know, mm-hmm. Ma- again, Martha was critical to that meeting, those meetings that were taking place in that house. Um, but if that's all that's happening and there are not Marys enabled to soak up mm-hmm. the word of God, if the better part can't take place and, and the Marys can't learn and grow become disciples of Christ, then church is wasting its time. Okay, so for us, you know, we we say this a lot here, everything that we have in ministry, it comes out of our prayer ministry. We have to cry out as a local church for what the Word of God says should be true of our ministry. That's what has to come out of our life. Otherwise, we are laboring in vain. We're like little children playing house yeah and there's no reality of a household we're just we got a mommy and a daddy and it's still nothing <laughs> you know it's not really a true household right I, I tell mbc all the time i don't know about you guys but the last thing i want to do is waste my life just holding church services mm-hmm. playing church playing pastor and you're playing parishioner and and we do this because it's sunday and yeah, we yeah. gotta see God right. working through His people. So we gotta pray. We gotta so, cry out in faith. So what you're talking about is is two things. I see two things you're saying. One is that that the the church um, needs to model the significance of 
prayer and the study of God's word, the dependency on the Holy Spirit, but the study of yeah. God's word so that it's lived out in the individual's life. But the paradox of that is the church can't be that or model that unless the individual is determined to have intimacy in God's word and live in light of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so what we're talking about is establishing a priority for the individual, but also for mm -hmm. the organic body, uh, the local church itself. How do we make sure that we as leaders are prioritizing prayer? I mean, that's a very practical thing. But again, like you said, we are busy. There's always things, there's always another email to answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we make sure that we as leaders are showing our congregants, our, you know, our family, that prayer is important to us? Yeah, so it's like, uh, it's like, uh, you know, COVID-19 rolled in, wrecked everything, and uh, it just blew up our schedule, you know, mm -hmm. our regular schedule. And so now our things are opening back up, and, and as different ministries are coming back online, and, and as people are starting to roll back in, um, you know, one of the things that, that got blew up was the, the staff prayer meeting, because we're all... yeah meeting it from home we're we're on zoom and teams and skype and and so um you know we would open and close staff meetings with prayer but our staff prayer meeting took a big hit with yeah. with this crisis and so um as things opened up i'm as the pastor i recognize we're not going to just naturally go back to prayer and that's a weird thing to say even for christians you know you would think that when christians get together they would just naturally want to spend time talking to their father mm -hmm. but the flesh is contrary to that right the last thing that the flesh wants is to be put in a position where it's got to walk through an open door mm -hmm. and share the gospel with someone and so there is always something there's always martha work to do mm-hmm and what happens is, is prayer is important. It's so important. I'm going to make space for it later, but then later never comes. It has to be a first priority. And so it was, so it was a decision that I had to make and say, "Hey, guys, okay, we're everything's rolling back. We're restarting the staff prayer meeting at uh, at eleven o'clock on Wednesdays." Yeah. In other words, so so one of the ways that it gets done is by just purposely saying these are the times that we set apart. For prayer, our Tuesday night prayer ministry meeting is another way that we prioritize. You know, we we talk about MBT. You know, we're pastoral led, but we're also led by biblical principles. And one of the core biblical principles is this: we're a house of prayer, and so we have to so pursue uh, our prayer life that it does become natural response mm -hmm. when God's people come together. We pray. Yeah. So Tuesday nights, um, we we do everything that we can to support that. Yeah, uh, and Tuesday nights has yeah. been was integral yeah. to planting this church. Sure. In yeah. other words, if we wouldn't yeah. have had that prayer time, yeah, once upon a time, oh yeah, there would, would be no, there would be no church no, here, uh -uh. and uh, yeah. we wouldn't see the disciples. I mean, no. we're still bearing fruit from from prayers lifted a decade and a half ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. and so you know, I think that. In terms of an example of how how prayer is important to getting the work of the ministry mm -hmm. done, uh, you know, bending the ear of our Father, uh, man, the Tuesday night prayer meeting has been a great example of how that, oh, yeah, yeah sows the seed of prayer in the hearts of the people in our church. Yeah, there's so there's so, and then you know, the testimonies of those answered prayers are so good for the people that are well, it's so good for for 
it's good for all of us mm-hmm. to be encouraged that way. But for the people that are learning that we have a prayer hearing, prayer answering God, uh, to have those testimonies of answered prayer is is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of MBT, just even being a church, um, you know, I, I, at uh, back in the old KCBT days, uh, we had a, a missions conference called World Outreach, and in the last two World Outreach conferences, um, the focus was on reaching the urban core, reaching the city for Christ, and. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a church, we didn't have an approach. There was not one agenda item in terms of how we're going to do that other than being the light of Christ in, in Kansas City. And, um, but in both of those, converse, in both of those conferences, um, I just got massively burdened of the Lord that I was supposed to be a part of that and actually went forward. I'm, I'm a pastor on staff at, at KCVT and and uh, have a job and a, a work there, but mm-hmm. um, felt compelled that I needed to go forward and just surrender my life to Christ to 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 do ministry in the urban core, whatever mm-hmm. that looked like. And that started a long season of desperate, earnest prayer because as a as a local church, we had no plans to to plant any more churches, and and uh, that's okay as long as I can submit to what the Lord's calling me to do to to win souls and make disciples in the urban core, then I'm excited to do that. Sure. I had a map over my desk with a push pin in it at 40th and Walnut. Mm-hmm. And then I, I I did the math and I did a little ruler calculation and I drew a circle that represented a one mile radius around that. And I would just pray over that area every day because I didn't know anybody there. Uh, I didn't, and the only reason I picked 40th and Maine I said 40th and Walnut, didn't I? It was 40th and Main was yeah. where my push pin went. A block, it's a block um, difference yeah, for anybody. It's who's... like a really short block from Main to Walnut. Right. Um, so probably the push pin absolutely covered where the church is today. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, and I would just pray over it because uh, you know Urban Core. This is how ignorant I was. I'm like, well, where's the Urban Core? I don't know. I'm a suburb. I'm a suburb guy. You know. So I just looked at a Kansas City metro map. This is going to sound bad. <laughs> but I looked at a, a metro Kansas, KC map and I judged. I just went halfway from north to south and halfway from east to west and gadu- you know, just guesstimated where the absolute core of the core of the core was going to be. And I put my push pin in at 40th and Main and then drew my core around mm-hmm. that and that's what i was praying over i don't know anybody there i don't know anything about this part of town i know nothing i'm completely ignorant fast forward whenever the pastor said let's go let's start some kind of kcbt midtown and uh, let's win souls let's make disciples in the urban core i drove the, the minute i got the green light on that i drove to uh to uh, 40th and Main, and the light was red. It was a red. This is one of those memories I'll have, like it was yesterday, you know. And I stopped. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. Now what? I, you know, I don't know a single person. How am I gonna win souls and make disciples when I'm in my stupid Altima on a rainy day <laughs> at a pushpin? This is just blame. Mm-hmm. And so I'm crying out to God. Um, like I'm here, this light's going to turn green and green means what? Where am I going to start my Bible study? You know, where's this going to start? And I saw a sign on the corner of the property at 40th and Walnut that said for sale. 
and it's the building that we're in now. And I realized, well, we're in, I don't have money to buy it, but I wrote down the number and long story short, the, the, the gentleman, uh, the organization, it was called the, the Church House of Westport is who owned this property at the time. And they said, uh, you know, we're trying to sell the building, but we'll mm-hmm. do a month to month or week to week. The minute we sell it, you'll have to find another place to right. go. So we worked out an arrangement and then he called back and said, it's sold. Sorry, good luck with your project. And so I'm like, okay, I'm looking for, I, I, at this point, I'm going to have to start knocking door to door, which is what I needed to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Eventually we sure. did, but I'm just going to ask somebody to loan me their living room, you know, to start a, start a Bible study, start an outreach. And um, a friend of mine from New York was in town. His name's Walter. And he said, well, where, do you, where are you thinking you want to start this Bible study? You know, where are you going to call people to? Mm-hmm. And we drove up to the property and I said, this place is ideal. It's literally a stone's throw from my push pen. <laughs> this has got to right. be it. Yeah. And uh, it, was a, it was a warm day in early, early spring. And um, he said, well, let's go, let's go pray for that building. And so we walked over a bunch of homeless people. And yeah, we back laid then, it. the lawn was just, uh, just oh. 40 or 50 people just hanging out. Just high or <laughs> sleeping it off. Right. Okay, way back in the day, if it ended in Shun, it happened at 40th and Walnut. <laughs> Think about it. It's nasty. Everything yeah. that yes. ends in Shun happened at... Yes, that's true. Yeah, so the, the weirdest one was defecation, right? Yeah. I mean, we were, we literally constant. had to clean human feces. Yeah, that was, that was a fairly constant... That was part staple. of getting ready for church. Yes. Let's go. Somebody's got to go yeah. shovel the poo. Pray and shovel poo. <laughs> yeah. Now you're yeah. ready. Let's go. Uh, you know, good times. Yeah. Good times. We we learned yeah. a lot. Yeah. So you're 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 with Walter and you guys. We pray over the building, building and yeah. I'm thinking all of these all these guys, these homeless guys are gonna either never see me again or they're gonna know God answers prayer. And mm-hmm. and we cried out, we prayed out out loud and loud, you know, God, if it would please you to use this facility to see souls saved and disciples made and the kingdom expand, then would you give it to us in Jesus' name and and if not, then whoever's buying this building, would you make them fix it up for us? And so we prayed and we left. And then within the week, the owner called and said the deal fell through. Um, we'd, uh, we'd love to work something out with you. And so mm-hmm. we started in a rental agreement that, you know, yeah. the rest is history, as right. they say, you know. But that's answered prayer. Sure. I don't know anybody. I don't know anything. That's the worst part. I don't mm-hmm. know anything. <laughs> I don't but God, yeah. except God makes the call that he put on my life and the promises of his word a reality over my life, then I would go through my whole life laboring in vain. Mm-hmm. Who wants to do that? So one of the things I'm hearing in your, in your story is that there's a relationship between urgency and, and prayer and or or desperation i guess and prayer and that was a really desperate season for you in your life mm-hmm. uh you know you had your, your back was broken at one point in those early years of planning the church and, and that kept you in a place of desperation but will you maybe talk about the relationship between prayer and and a heart of humility and desperation before the lord yeah you know god uh in his mercy will bring you to a place where you realize uh, you, all your labor is vain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not by your, mower, by your power, it's not by your might, you know, it's by his spirit. And, and uh, 
Yeah, I broke my back before we got greenlit to start the outreach in Midtown. Uh, I, I, I was already working through that rehab and that whole issue. And uh, so there were a lot of things like that that God used to bring me to the end of myself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you get this amazing insight into ministry. You know, it, it, it pleases God to use the weak and the foolish of this world. It's not the mighty. It's not the wise of this world. You know, it's the it's the castoffs and the rejects. It's those that know that nothing of eternal value could ever possibly come out of their life. Those are the ones that God can say, "I want to use them for my own glory." Mm-hmm. No flesh is going to glory in His presence. And so, you know, God in His mercy brought me to the end of myself. Whenever I started uh, the the college class. At KCBT, uh, we started with some uh, a few high school kids and some of the young college age kids, and we started a new Sunday fellowship at KCBT. And I remember that first Sunday, almost a hundred people came, and then they heard me preach. These are all KCBT attenders at that time, right? So a hundred people come, they hear me preach, and then the next Sunday we had forty. Okay, so we started with forty people, um, and. Uh, you know, I was full of faith, and we're going to preach the word, and we're going to organize the the workers. We're going to train them. We organized in the campus teams, and mm-hmm. we just figured out who was going to school where, and then we got to work planning Bible studies on those campuses, and and uh, and then we started leading people to Christ and and baptizing them and and uh, discipling them, and and the Bible studies multiplied, and within a couple years. The, I mean, literally two years, the ministry was over 200 regular attenders. We mm-hmm. would have some Sundays where we would hit 230, 250 at that right. point. We were crammed into what we called the fellowship hall back then. You were, you were there. there. Yeah. You were part of that. Long shotgun. Big, long cigar yeah. tube. Yeah. We're having service in there. And we were, we were just, I mean, there's always room to cram one more in, but mm-hmm. it was really, we filled that place up and everything's rolling well and i i had a vision to uh, just take all of the college age adults in kansas city we're going to win them to christ and make disciples and and we're going to see missionaries go out all over the world Mm -hmm. and uh, and then i got hired and my first job was to free up space in the facility because we needed. So you, I. You mean you came on full time? I at came the on full time. Yeah, yeah, I was. I'd pastored for a couple of years and then went on staff full time. So now I'm making space at KCBT for more adult ministry classes. Well, we don't have any kids, and so I got the bright idea of moving the college ministry to Friday night, and then we'd have the run of the whole building. We could just mm-hmm. fill the whole building up on Friday night. We got a ton of visitors on Friday night. One disciple that I know of, maybe two. Uh, Guy Bailey is yeah. fruit from Friday nights, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know any. <laughs> we got a ton of visitors. But yeah, it was I remember tough. it being really exciting because there was yeah. a lot of people there. Yeah, yeah. But after doing it for a while, it was like very transient. The Friday, a Friday night college and young adult it was ministry bad. was very, very. It was really bad. Um, I, I, you know, on sun, when we were on Sunday morning, the, the conversion from attender to disciple to disciple maker, it just seemed like, 
I think it's part of that's cultural. We're, mm-hmm. We live in the Midwest. People want to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. On Friday night, people want to be entertained, mm-hmm. and we, you know, had a lot of fun, and uh, you know, so I'm I'm sure it was fairly entertaining. So we get a lot of visitors, not a lot of disciples, not a lot of disciples, and the goal is to produce disciples. Well, so we moved it from there to like Tuesday, then Wednesday, then Sunday. Your complaint was, as you you said, I don't know if you remember this. I'm but, sure I don't, but I'm sure uh, you do. You've you've drug us all over the calendar. What do we got to do next? <laughs> so uh, apparently, said, plant a church in the city. Well, <laughs> this was right after we started the outreach at MVT, mm-hmm. and your next line was, "You've drug us all over the calendar. What are we going to do next?" Then you drug us out here to the hood. What are we going to do next? Build a bonfire out in the parking lot, and everybody has to get a. A, uh, a a brand <laughs> you're gonna make us all get a branded brand with a with a midtown no it was just m like a big midtown m brand and i'm like man i thought it was clear we weren't starting a cult <laughs> you were you were confused we're gonna all have to get branded you know so so even with that yeah uh, you'll probably have to cut all that part out but, <laughs> <laughs> but even with that you know all of all of that striving to try to figure out how to do ministry, the conclusion I came to, no matter what move I make, no matter what, mm-hmm. even if they're good moves, no matter what move I make, it'll be a bad move. But whatever door the Lord opens, right, in any way that God is making his word a reality in our life and our ministry in response to our prayers, um, now this is a chance for God to be awesome. He will work. So one of the things that consistently I heard over and over as we started ministry at Midtown, I heard it back in Raytown. I heard it from people in Midtown. Nothing ever works at 40th and Walnut. Right. Nothing ever works. And I remember thinking then at that point, it's starting to make sense to me now. It's like, I, I know nothing ever works, but I know God works. Yeah. And we're going to pray and God's going to hear and he's going to answer our prayer. And so... So, you know, as a young man, the temptation is, is whenever I'm a pastor, I'm going to do it right. And pride says, I'm going to show everybody. I want people to be impressed with me. Mm-hmm. I want people to value me. I want people to see me. I want them to see my worth. And as you mature, the flesh never, never divorces itself from that. People want validation in the flesh. But the inner man, right, the mature believer comes to the place where they say it's not about me, it's about God. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not about me being recognized or me getting glory. Uh, It's about the name of Christ being lifted up and magnified. God, in his mercy, just hemmed me in to a place where except God move, then there's no hope that any fruit can come out of my life, mm-hmm. you know. As we, yeah. you know, as we followed you to Midtown, yeah. um, I mean, that was what was modeled. It's so funny now because I, I can, I can sense and feel upon reflection what it was like in that season because we were, you know, we trusted the vision that God had given you, mm-hmm. and um, we put together a. Uh, an idea of what that was going to look like. I mean, we thought, okay, we're going to reach the city. Um, yeah, of course, we're going to teach the Bible. And yeah, sure, you know, we're going to pray. We gathered in your basement one night to put together a plan f- 
for outreach into the neighborhood that surrounds mm-hmm. here. And we were all down there and we were, you, you asked us, come with your best ideas. <laughs> and uh, you know, there was probably 25, yeah. 30 of us down in your basement crammed down there and we were ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you threw a wrench in that. Um, you know, you, you put a halt to that because what you had discovered was that uh, we really couldn't do anything without prayer and we hadn't, we hadn't exhausted our father yet. Yeah. So I was already bought into prayer ministry at that sure, point. Yeah. We were going to be word of God, spirit of God, prayer led, you know, ministry. And, and, um, so, you know, if we're, everything was lined out, we had the place to start the Bible study. Now we need to call the city to come to get in the word with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was the idea, you know, how, how are we, you know, what is, how are we going to engage with Midtown? Because I don't know anybody. I don't have any, there's no open doors at this point. So how do we go bust some doors down? Right. And, uh, we talked about carnivals and, oh man, food programs of... and you, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, finding the people, you know, find the widows. Right. Let's go, you know, whatever, what good things, good thing. A lot of good things. Yeah. yeah. And so to not be presumptive, because we don't know we want we want the Lord to lead us, we're gonna fast and pray for two weeks and then come back. Mm-hmm. And we'll what you know, whatever the Holy Spirit shows us, whatever God shows us in terms of how we're gonna move forward, we'll all see it and right. you know, we'll we'll do that. Well, so I don't know about you, but I was fasting and praying mm-hmm. for those two weeks and and then right before the meeting, the executive pastor at KCBT called me and said uh, called me and he said, uh, "Hey Sam, sorry, but um, we're not starting any new ministry initiatives." And I said, "Well, you know, what do you mean by that? By that, I mean we're not starting any new ministry initiatives right now." And I said, "Well, uh, you're, you you might be aware of the fact that we just rented this place to meet in Midtown." He helped me put the mm-hmm. deal together, right? <laughs> and uh, we're, we we want to in we want to be able to make impact in the community to invite them to come get in the word with us. And so we've been fasting and praying over eight to 10 different ideas on how to engage with Midtown. Um, you surely not talking about that. And he says, I'm talking exactly about that. We're not going to start any new. If it's not on the calendar now, the church calendar, we're not doing it. That's what he said. And I, I told him, Look, if I go down and I tell those leaders, we've, we've put so much work into this already, and if I tell them we can't start anything new, I'm going to have a revolt on my hands. <laughs> yeah. And he says, well, I just, I'm sorry, Sammy, I don't know what to tell you, but we're not starting anything new. Yeah. And so I argued with him to, 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 to my shame. I argued with him about it. I mean, we didn't get ugly or mean. Sure. But um, he's, he apologized and said, sorry, Sammy. That's what he'd do. Call me Sammy. Like that make it all yeah, better. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Butter you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, he's, uh, sorry, Sammy. Um, can't do it. And so we hung up, and I just fell on my face in my bedroom. And you guys were already we were hanging in out the basement. You're I hanging out downstairs. When you finally came downstairs, there was an air about, like, you brought something with you. I remember <laughs> feeling like, oh, no, what happened? Like, what happened? That's, mm-hmm. That was the feeling. Yeah. And your countenance was completely different. Yeah. So you guys had shown up. I'm on my face in the 
in my bedroom and just crying out to God, like, how do I fix, how do I fix mm-hmm. this? What do I do? You know, uh, this thing is dead in the water. If we've got a, if we finally, if you led me to Midtown and I'm supposed to lead them, like if you're leading us to Midtown, I don't know how to do it without an open Bible to win souls and make disciples. And I don't know how to do that if we can't build relationships with people. And uh, this all got shut down. I'm just crying out. I'm literally, my prayers, help. And so, finally, I just gave up praying. I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. And, um, and this will probably freak out half of, half of our viewership. All I can do is just tell you what happened. I'm coming downstairs 30 or 40 minutes late to this meeting mm-hmm. that I've called where we're going to pick the gems of our great planning right. and we're going to go reach Midtown mm-hmm. through these open doors that we're going to create. And as I'm coming down, just like God help me say this in the gentlest way so that I don't have open revolt on my, <laughs> on my hands. And all of a sudden, the last verses of Acts are in my mind. Just like, they're literally brought to remembrance. And I know in my knower what the Holy Spirit was saying in that. Everything that the church was doing, we already had it on the calendar for Midtown. So we, we had a Sunday service scheduled at that point. We had Saturday door-to-door invitation already scheduled. We had a once-a-month potluck scheduled. We already had small groups on the schedule. So we're house-to-house. We're, 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 we're breaking bread uh, together. Uh, we're, we, we had baptism services scheduled just in faith. Those were on the calendar. These are the weeks that we'll set up a baptistry and, and we'll baptize the people that profess Christ as their Lord. And so everything in those verses that the early church was doing, uh, we had some form of that already on the schedule. Mm-hmm. The Bible stuff was there, but the great the great scheme to impact Midtown through our efforts, that never made it onto the schedule. And, uh, and so I'm literally halfway down the stairs and I'm stopped and you guys are all visiting and I'm like, what? <laughs> And what I'm hearing from the Lord is, am I enough or what? You know, am I enough? And uh, lost it on the stairs. God, we just got to get full of faith that what you called us to, you will work in and through us according to your word. You will make the promises of your word reality in our life, and you're going to use us to your glory. Mm-hmm. So I come downstairs, we call the meeting, and uh, we've had all these plans, and We've got all these ideas, but I've already heard from the Lord. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. But I told you, God, I've already heard from the Lord. We're not doing anything else. And I laid out Acts 2, and, and uh, we prayed, we praised, we committed that to the Lord. And the way I've explained it to people since is I don't, I don't know how else to explain it other than this, but that next Sunday was one of the greatest services of my life. Um, our time together in the Word was rich. Uh, God came to church with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next week, 
he was back and he brought some visitors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they brought visitors and and then pretty soon we can't keep up with the people that are coming to Christ and getting baptized and and following in discipleship. You know, it was at that point that the pastors at KCBT said, look, it's a church plant. We're trying to build a building over here and there's just too much going on. We need you to pray about planning a church. And so I asked for two weeks. I'm surprised it took you two weeks, but sure. It didn't. I asked for two (laughs) weeks because I thought it would take two weeks. And by the first week I knew. Yeah. You know, and so... Yeah, you know, I remember in those in, in those years thinking the, our approach to prayer, um, because it was so foreign, the way we were we were approaching prayer was so foreign to me, having grown up as a Baptist in primarily independent fundamental Baptist churches. There was something about it that felt um, almost charismatic, like that was the only way I could categorize it because hmm. it was so intentional. It was so... Um, it was spirit filled in a and way. And by charismatic, he doesn't mean we were speaking in tongues. No, there was right? none of that. There was none of that. But for me, from my we background, we probably had a few people praying in Spanish. They showed up. They're, they always, yeah, show up. But anyway, I, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah. I think that I had to reframe the way that I saw the Holy Spirit in my life, mm-hmm. and um, the way that the Holy Spirit provokes and does and does speak in the midst of prayer and the study of God's word. I, there was a reframing that began to take place because mm-hmm. we were re-emphasizing or, or emphasizing prayer in a way that I had never experienced before. And it was like, and, it, and it, I still believe that it's still this way. Um, I just have maybe grown accustomed to it that when we come together and pray, we believe that God's gonna do crazy, oh, yeah. crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. And it only week after week, our faith just continued to increase um, in a way that I had never experienced before. Yeah, see, everything that God tells us to do. Okay, so we're supposed to win souls. We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to train and equip leaders that can multiply the ministry that God's given us. So everything that God's called us to do, it's actually beyond our ability to do it in the power of our flesh. And so except God works through us, there's no hope. I mean, again, we're right back to playing church and holding services and acting like little kids playing house. And we can't waste our time. God has to work through mm-hmm. us. I can't give anybody eternal life. I can't give so I can't I can't even get somebody to receive the gospel. Like all of that is beyond me. But I can present the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm getting somebody to learn the word of god for themselves so that it's not just academic but it's their life now and now they're it's their mission and they're on mission Uh, god has to use me to make the disciple Mm -hmm. otherwise it's a you know it's a beth moore study it's a it's a you know it's just another academic pursuit you know that that these traps that churches fall into and and so there's there's got to be life whenever the word is open. Well, there's no life in me other than the life of Christ that's in me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing ministry in the power of my flesh, the spirit is quenched. How's how is the how is Jesus? How's the promises of Christ, the promises of God's word, supposed to work through that? You know, so it's you know it's that principle. According to your faith, be it unto you. Mm-hmm. We got to get full of faith. God wants to work through His people, and so we're going to call on Him. We see what his word says, Lord, please, we desperately need mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so it's not demanding. So in a lot of charismatic churches, they're demanding and they're bossing God around. Yeah. Um, uh, 
we and need it's to be presumption. Humble. It's yeah. presumption. Yeah. It's it's more imp, it's importune. It's pleading. You know, it's prayer. Yeah. Please, sir. <laughs> this we see. This is what you said. And and if there's something that you need to do or change in us, do the surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Please. You're worth being right with. Well, what it says. Yeah. What it yeah. says is I. I will not achieve anything with my life unless you show up tonight. Yeah, apart from you working through your people, yeah. it's vain labor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so we're having this conversation about healthy ministry, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think we could have that conversation without um, discussing what it means to invite the Holy Spirit to do the work on our behalf. Um, and so, Sam, I'm, I'm thankful for this first part in our conversation. We're going to come back and talk about discipleship if that's cool with you. Yeah. Um, but but I really want to thank you for reliving all that. And it really, it, it fires me up Well, for next Tuesday. You know, yeah. it makes me oh. excited about when the family's going to come back together and pray again. Our Tuesday nights, those are our best services. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. powerful and, and I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for them. So yeah. we want to thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of The Postscript. Uh, we, we pray, we hope that it was beneficial to you and encouragement and maybe inspired you to emphasize prayer first and foremost, turning to the Lord, turning to his word and calling upon him to help you in your ministry work because everything else we're gonna talk about, discipleship, evangelism, investing in people, uh, we can really spin our wheels if we're not calling on, on the Lord to go ahead of us, go before us. And so we hope that that's an encouragement to you. And as you hear this and you're listening, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this ministry. I'm intrigued by the Living Faith Fellowship. I want to learn more. You can visit lfbi.org and you can learn about our Bible Institute where we train leaders and uh, we teach them the principles that we're talking about even here. And so uh, please visit lfbi.org, learn more about us. Again, we thank you for giving us your time and we hope to see you next week. Bye. My name is Brian Bustos, and I am a Living Faith Bible Institute student. And I'm also a husband. And I'm also a father. In this stage in my life, things are definitely chaotic. I've been called by God to serve in my local church here in Kansas City. And in any given week, that may look like leading worship, or preparing for a Bible study, or even teaching a class. This is where Living Faith Bible Institute is so important to my life. First, it gives me focus, but two, it's flexible. And so, if I can't make that Saturday morning class, I can still catch it online, whether it's remotely, or even sometime later in the week, like during my lunch break. I guess in essence, I don't have to put my life on pause. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org. If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org slash donate.